Welcome to Race Wife Unfiltered, hosted by your favorite bougie race wife, Rachel Thornhill. Every week, she shares stories of her life as a race wife and other women in motorsports, giving them a platform so their voices can be heard. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Race Wife Unfiltered. I am your host, Rachel Thornhill. And today I wanted to talk about something that is pretty triggering to a lot of people. So I just wanted to forewarn you just in case this is something that you're not able to listen to. So as far as triggers go, um, we're going to be talking about mental health. So, you know, this can cover a broad range of multiple things like, um, unaliving, um, different, different things like that. So just letting you know, um, I might mention some of these type of words and I don't want you to, um, not know right ahead of time, because obviously I don't want to put something out there and, um, and I end up, uh, triggering people. So that's why I wanted to give a warning before I start this episode. So if this is not something that you can sit through, um, definitely I understand if you've got to not listen to this episode. Um, I still appreciate your support and, um, in all my other episodes, but definitely don't listen to this episode if, if that is something that triggers you. So without further ado, Oh, further ado, guys, um, I'm going to go ahead and start. So this episode is all going to be about mental health uh, when it comes to women in motorsports, because I feel that that is something that that's not really talked about. Um, it's it's not really um, you don't really hear people mention it um, when it comes to the mental health of, um, people in the motorsports industry. And I wanted to touch on that today, um, especially for the women in motorsports, because obviously women are going to have other challenges and experiences that are different from their male counterparts that could contribute to their mental health. Um, so when I, when I started researching this, the study that I came across, which was from um, the Women in Motorsports Commission. Guys, when I saw these statistics, this was really alarming. Like the fact that this is not really talked about, that kind of triggered me because I'm like, this is just such a high number. So there was a recent study conducted by the Women in Motorsports Commission that over 70% of female drivers reported experiencing mental health issues related to their involvement in motorsports. These issues included anxiety, depression, and stress. Now, y'all, 70% is a huge number. Um, I mean, it, I mean, we would love for it to be zero, right? We'd love for no women to feel any type of um, mental health issue. But 70%, that's a very large amount of women. 
in the motorsports industry. And I mean, that to be honest, that's kind of scary. Um, because I mean, these women are going through these mental struggles day in and day out and they're still doing their jobs, but let's be real. Yeah. You can still perform, but are you performing at your highest level when you're, when you're experiencing anxiety, depression, stress, or any other type of mental ailment, right? That you're going through, you're not going to be able to perform at your highest capacity. Also, I mean, just, just the emotional level, um, that you're going to go through, like just your emotional stress or also, I mean, let's be real. This can cause physical harm to yourself and possibly others too. Um, because being behind a behind a vehicle, because I mean, you know, with motorsports, you're behind a vehicle. If you're experiencing that type of stuff going on and you get behind that vehicle and you get in, you know, you get in that race, you have the potential of hurting others, too. Um, and I feel that this should be something that is really looked into, um, whether that is through the organizations themselves whether it's like NASCAR um, or, you know, GT World Challenge or, um, I mean, you know, there's so there's so many, right? There's so many racing organizations, F1, whoever. I hope that they have access to these to these uh, surveys and studies and that they have these resources put into place for all drivers, not just the women. But obviously, it it shows from here that the women are the ones that are really struggling with the mental health uh, in this industry. And they did also mention that obviously the women face you know unique challenges and experiences within motorsports. Um, I mean, this is not just, um, you know, their own personal, personal things going on, but some of these female drivers also, you know, they face gender-based discrimination and harassment and other things like that. Now, of course, a lot of these organizations are starting to be, um, more inclusive and they're really, you know trying to keep that where that doesn't happen. But let's be honest, a lot of the discrimination and harassment doesn't always come from their male counterparts within the actual industry. A lot of times it's actually the outsiders, the fans, the media. It tends to be people that are not within the motorsports industry, but they might be a part of the demographic meaning the fans or whatever, that tend to be the ones that are the harshest. Um, and the reason why I say that um, is because you see it all over social media. A lot of the female drivers, the horrible comments that they get from mainly males, I'm not saying that women don't do it too, but mainly male fans, they tend to be the harshest. 
when it comes to the female drivers and what and, and what they say on social media. And I don't think that that helps um, with this obviously potential crisis. Um, this can, I mean, this is a huge amount. Um, and then on top of it, um, the, the survey also found that only 30% of the female drivers felt comfortable discussing their mental health concerns with their team or colleagues. So right there, that also, you know, highlights the need for increased support and resources for them as well. Because if they're, if they're not feeling like this is a safe space for them to be able to talk about what's going on with their mental health, then obviously they're going to repress all of that and they're not going to speak up, which potentially can cause other, you know, other issues with them, whether it's health, you know, health related or, you know, it could end up affecting their performance, their actual work performance as well. So um, I think the motorsports industry period is, you know, it's very a competitive type thing. Um, it, you know, there's a lot of pressure that's involved on these drivers. And obviously that, that contributes to mental health. I mean, when you have a lot of pressure put on you and you have to be competitive and stuff, sometimes that competitiveness and stuff can take a toll on your mental health. I mean, cause it puts you in a, in a more, um, and this kind of like brings in kind of like a spiritual aspect is to, to, um, you know, we, we have yin and yang, right? We have a feminine side and a masculine side. That's, that goes for everybody across the board, right? So when you're in your masculine element, there's certain things you do that's more right, that's more left brain, I'm sorry. And then with your right, right brain is more your feminine traits, right? So the thing is, when it comes to competitiveness and pressure and things like that, that's more left brain. That, that is ruled more by the masculine side of yourself. So unfortunately, a lot of women in motorsports have to be more masculine, dom- like dominant, uh, masculine brained, uh, left brained. They have to be more um, in their divine masculine instead of their divine feminine. And unfortunately, it causes a disconnect within the body and in the brain because we're supposed to be equal, right? We're supposed to have that equal balance. But unfortunately, in motorsports and really sports in general, a lot of times women are pushed to be so left brain that it di- that they disconnect from the divine feminine and they're not able to have that, that soft female element to, you know, to their life and it makes it harder for them. Um, and I think because of that, because they have to be so much in the, in the left lane, you know, um, it makes it harder for them to have that balance. So they don't really have that work life balance. Like a lot of male counterparts do, um, because let's just be honest, society makes it harder for a lot of women to be able to be both. (laughs) Um, it's, it's harder to be able to live that soft life and also be 
very left brain and be very in your divine masculine. Um, it's hard to shut that off, like to shut one off and switch to the other. Um, and so I think that's why a lot of women tend to struggle with mental health is because there's a lot of societal pressures that are put on us that make it hard for us to be able to be balanced within ourselves. Um, and I don't think that gets talked about enough. I think, you know, we, we're expected in society to act and think a certain way. And when we go against that norm, we get demonized sometimes. And so I think that, and obviously being in a male dominated sport, um, it makes it harder for women sometimes to speak up, to be heard, to be seen. Um, they have to really be forceful and put themselves out there um, when they that might not be them, right? They might be somebody that's a little more timid, that might not really want to force themselves into the, you know, to in the limelight to where they're like constantly like almost bombarding people like going over them right but unfortunately when you are in a male-dominated industry and and to be honest this this actually falls into more than just motorsports um and this can this falls into multiple industries that are more male-dominated and um being being someone that's more of a fan and and actually being a race wife and being just within the motorsports community. Um, I've seen it. I've seen, I've seen it because I've been in it. I've been in the motorsports community for 18 years, but also as someone that works in the tech industry, which is a male dominated industry. Um, and I've worked in the tech industry for over, um, for over seven years now, you see it there too. Um, you see it w where women are constantly having to prove themselves way more than their male counterparts. They're also having to almost like talk over them to be able to, you know, be able to position themselves to show that they are an authoritative figure within the within a company. And and that sucks because for like, for example, somebody like me. I don't like talking over people. I feel it's very disrespectful. I feel it's very rude. I also feel I shouldn't have to fight for the for the spotlight within a company when we're supposed to be collaborating and working together, right? Like, I don't feel that I should be fighting you to be able to speak up and advocate for myself or advocate for, a, for someone else. And I think that is part of the issue. Um, we are kind of looked down upon sometimes within our own industries and we're constant, constantly having to take a step back and we're constantly like our, our light is constantly being dimmed and by our male counterparts. Now, of course there are male counter, some of our male counterparts that, that, stick up for us. Right. And they, and they feel, you know, they feel that we should have the spotlight as much as, you know, just as much as they do. But let's be honest, that tends to be a minority. 
Um, the majority tend to not think that way. Um, and unfortunately, you have a <laughs> silent minority, right? And you have a loud majority. Um, and you still see it to this day, um, you know, whether it whether it's like through mansplaining, right? I mean, or in things like that. Um, we still have those problems to this day. And you would think being in 2023, we wouldn't still have those problems, but we do. Um, but do I think they're getting better? Yes. Do I think it's getting better in certain in certain industries? Yes. Do I see it getting better in the motorsports industry? Yes. I'm seeing more diversity. I'm seeing more inclusion, you know, in certain in certain organizations. You do it. You see it a lot. And, um, you know, I, I can't speak for all of the organizations because I'm not I'm I'm not fully involved in a lot of them or like I'm not or I haven't really like immersed myself in them. Okay. But you see in F1, there's a lot of diversion, the diver diversity and inclusion there. You know, you have a lot of women in the F1 Academy. You have NHRA has a ton of women. Honestly, I think NHRA, um, for the most part has always had, way more women in their sport than any of the others. Um, you know, um, and then obviously NASCAR is, has some diversity and inclusion, but to be honest, they don't have enough. There's not enough women in NASCAR, uh, anymore. Um, because obviously there were women in the sport, even, you know, even when NASCAR first started, you know, you had like Sarah Christian, you had, um, I mean, you, you have quite a few women in NASCAR, but the thing is there was still not enough of them to say that NASCAR has a lot of diversity. You don't, you tend to have only about a, like a handful of female drivers in in their series, you don't have a lot. Um, you can pretty much pick them out, you know, like you don't have a lot. Now, F1, I have to give them props because F1 has a lot of women now. Um, and then obviously NHRA has a lot of women. Also in dirt track racing, you have a lot of women. Now, the only thing that I will mention like when you get into like higher up, I would say like you have them in, um, in the extreme, the, the extreme outlaws midgets, uh, you have them there. Um, world of outlaws, you don't like world of outlaws. Obviously that's all male. That, that doesn't mean that they never had females. They did. I mean, you know, Aaron Crocker, Evernham was one of them. You know, she raced in the world of outlaws. But since her, I personally, I haven't seen, I haven't seen a woman race with them since then. Um, and, and I don't know why that is. I mean, it, maybe it could be due to funding. It could be, you know, there could be multiple reasons why we haven't had any women. The only way that I was able to find out was if I saw their name on this, in the standings or if I found them on Instagram or somewhere on social media posting pictures that they were there. 
none of them got TV time. Um, you know, that I, that I saw, you know, when we were watching it, when, especially when we were watching, um, the gateway nationals. And then we, when we watched the chili bowl, we didn't see any women being interviewed and see, and that's another thing too, um, that I wanted to bring up. Like, if you notice a lot of the women, um, I would say obviously in NASCAR and then also, um, in, uh, like dirt racing. Um, and well, really I'd be honest, it's probably most, um, most of them, most of them don't get TV time. Like most of the women in motorsports don't get the TV time that they deserve. They don't get interviewed like they should. And if they do get interviewed, they tend to get asked questions that make no sense. Um, like for example, um, I saw where some of the female drivers were being asked about their skincare routines. You don't ask the male drivers that, but you're asking them because they're women, what their skincare routines are. Now, granted, if they have brand deals, it's good for them. You know, they can mention the products and stuff and, you know, make some money off of that. But at the same time, why are you asking women what their skincare routines are when you could be asking them something related to the sport? Um, and, and I think, but I mean, to be honest, it happens to women all the time, even in other industries. I mean, you even see it in the entertainment industry when they're doing like, you know, these, like these press conferences and, and all these other things for like movies and stuff. And you see, and they'll ask women like these random questions that have nothing to do with the movie. Um, so honestly it happens to women in all industries, but let's be real. You know, we, we talk about motorsports the, you know, that's what this, that's what this podcast is about, but it's happening to the women in motorsports too. And honestly, I mean, that could be part of, you know, the issue with, with mental health, because it's like, if the women in motorsports are not being taken serious, they're pretty much just being treated as if like, oh, they're just doing this for some hobby or whatever, or they're just doing it because they want, they want to be famous. Right. And they're, they're being asked these questions that have nothing to do with motorsports, have nothing to do with the race, have nothing to do with their car or whatever, um, or they're being uh, treated as if, like, they don't really know anything, like, they don't know technical things or they don't really know anything, when, let's be real, I'm sure there's plenty of their male counterparts that might not know shit about their own race cars because guess who really knows about this stuff? They're crew chief, but they're expecting these women to know every fucking thing. And, and, and let's just be honest, it, this happens a lot, even just, even just as women being fans of motorsports, men will come at us and literally expect us to know who won this specific race back in like 1973 and you know, what their, what their time was and who they were battling against. And I mean, honestly, like probably go all the way down to what the track temperature was that day and like what the weather was like that day. Why, why do we have to justify that we love a motorsport 
by blurting out random ass statistics or random ass facts. We don't. Just because we love something doesn't mean we have to immerse ourselves in a bunch of sports trivia, right? Um, And I think that also is something that contributes to the mental health of women in motorsports is because they constantly feel they have to prove themselves. They constantly feel like they have to do, they have to always be doing the most, right? And they shouldn't have to. They should be able to go out there every single race weekend and do what they do what they love to do and not feel pressured to be better than their male counterparts or to know more than their male counterparts or to, you know, be able to list off all these statistics and random facts that more than likely most of their male counterparts couldn't even tell you. But for some reason, there's a different expectation when it comes to women in motorsports. You know, like they're expected, like we're, like women are expected to be like on a higher level. Like there's higher expectation, but it's almost impossible. Like it's it's like not it's not feasible, right? It's it's just like these random things that they expect us to know and do when nobody else is having to do this. Um, and I feel that these or some of these organizations should put things in place to make um, not not just their male count, not just the male counterparts of these of these female drivers, but also the fans accountable for how they treat the drivers within their organization. Now, I know that can be a very gray area because then it's like, well, how far do you go with it, right? Like, how far are you willing to go to protect your drivers and to, and to you know, keep fans from hurting their, your drivers in a mental way. Well, the thing is, I'm going to mention one organization that I feel did this just recently, and I have to give them props where it's due. Indy. So Indy posted on Instagram about how there was a lot of their drivers getting a lot of um, hateful very, very hateful and disgusting comments on social media. And they posted about it. Of course, you could not comment. They turned off comments for it. But I'll be honest, I've never seen that before. Now, I'm not saying that it hasn't been done by any other organization, but this is the first time that I'm personally seeing that for myself. That was the first time I saw an actual organization stand up for their drivers and be like, hey, Y'all need to stop this shit. Like y'all need to stop, you know, attacking our drivers in, in social media comments, you know, when it's not necessary. Um, and I, and I feel like more organizations need to step up and do that because I think then it shows that the organization truly cares about their drivers and their mental health and how these 
comments can take a toll on people. Um, I know people always say, well, you know, you're you're a public figure, so you've got to have thick skin, you know, because you not everybody's going to like you. I get that. But people can only take so much shit. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't matter um, how much you tell somebody, oh, you just need to you just need to grow a pair. You just need to be okay with people not liking you. Yeah, sure. But some some people can only take so much hate before it truly takes a toll on them, you know. And so you can't say that it will never affect you because it's going to affect people. But it affects people in different ways. And some people, it takes a lot before it affects them. But for some people, it doesn't take much, you know. But this is not a competition. Like, we don't need to be having a competition on who, who, you know, who can take more shit than the other person? Like that, that's not something that we should be competing for, right? But it's something to think about because also I feel people tend to, on social media, they tend to just think they're invincible and that they don't have any repercussions for what they say or do. Um, now, I'll be honest, here, here in the U.S. especially, you notice that there's way more people that are willing to run their fucking mouths and say a lot of shit that they should not say to people. But it's because we don't have strict laws in place where people can be held accountable for what they say or what they post on social media about people. Sure, you can just individually cancel people, right? But besides that, there's not a lot of weight when it comes to discrimination. Um, But in other countries, there are some countries that they take it pretty far. Like, I mean, taking people to court, things like that. Um, You tend to not see that as much here because we have freedom of speech and but i think like a lot of people forget that just because you have freedom of speech doesn't mean that you don't have consequences for the shit that you say um i think like a lot of people just completely throw that out the window and they just they're just like oh i have freedom of speech i can just say whatever the fuck i want and it doesn't matter No, like you have to understand that there are certain things that you should not say to people. Um, And I think social media has made it to where a lot of people feel that they're invincible behind a keyboard. So um, so I have to give indie props for that, that they took up for their drivers, because that is something that is serious. You have a lot of people that will literally threaten people and not even think twice about it. Or they'll, you know, they'll say like some of the rudest things to some, especially some of the women. Um, And it's disgusting. It is so disgusting because it's like, this is also why it's very hard for women to come up in the motorsports industry is because a lot of times they see that 
they see the example that you're showing to them and they're like, fuck, if that's the type of fans that that your organization has, I don't want to be a part of it because then I'm going to get bashed by men or women that are fans of this sport and I don't want to have anything to do with it. Um, so I think it, it actually hurts the sport more than helps it. I mean, sure, you know, nobody nobody's perfect and there's going to be people that gripe about things, right? And sometimes you do have to take stuff with a grain of salt or you hear their concerns. And if it is truly something that you feel needs to be changed within your organization, then you do it, right? Because you do want to appease your fans to a certain point. But I feel like sometimes fans do take it too far. They don't know where that line needs to be drawn when it comes to giving people what they want. Um, At the end of the day, these racing organizations are organizations. They're businesses. Um, And trying to find that middle ground between the fans and sponsors and the actual drivers themselves and all of that can be very hard. Um, We see that right now. We see that with uh, with F one, for certain, because a lot of a lot of fans are complaining about how they cater more to sponsors and businesses and all of that than the actual fans because of how expensive it is to go to F one um, races, right? Um, and I I get it, I get their concerns, I totally do. Uh, but at the end of the day. F1 does what they do for a reason and they're a business. And so no matter what we say or what we do, like what, what we say about, well, you know, we want to be able to have that U S experience. Cause there was two tracks that were talked about and that was Vegas and um, Miami. Um, and I'll be honest, y'all like Miami, that is one of the places on my bucket list, to be honest. Like I want to go there. I definitely do. Like that is one of the, that is one F1 race that I would love to go to. Um, but I totally understand where they're coming from. The prices are astronomical, but you know, number one, let's be real. It's Miami. My, everything in Miami is expensive. You know, nothing there is cheap. Like, I mean, it, you've got to understand that. Um, also, I mean, you talk about Vegas. Vegas is not cheap either. You have you you're having these races in very high end metropolitan areas. Like you can't expect it to be cheap, right? But at the same time, I totally understand because also it's like you have F1 fans that are not in that demographic. And they might not be able to afford something like that and would love to be able to go to a race. But it seems like it seems like they'll have to spend their life savings to do that. So I I, I totally get where people are coming from. But at at the same time, and I know that kind of like went off, off, but I mean, all of this ends up impacting the drivers, too. Because sometimes fans will get angry with drivers over things that they don't even have control over, right? Because 
they get angry at the organization, but they also take it out on the drivers when really the drivers do not run the organization, right? They they don't. They 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 drive in it, but they don't always have a say in how things are done. Um, and I think sometimes some fans don't understand where that where that line is, right? Where the drivers have a say and where the drivers don't. Um, and I, I mean, I totally understand from a fan's experience, you know, that they want to be able to see their favorite drivers and stuff like that. But also at the same time, like they have to be, um, fans have to be more understanding and they have to be like, not so critical of, um, of certain organizations when it comes to their diversity and inclusion. I say this because, um, and I don't, I don't like to talk about specific people, but there's one NASCAR driver that I want to touch on, um, just slightly. Uh, and, and that is Natalie Decker. So, for people that don't know who Natalie Decker is, she, um, honestly, I don't, I don't know if she is actually racing right now. Um, I, I don't follow her that much, but I know she also does a Twitch stream and from what I heard, possibly an OnlyFans, I don't know. I'm, I don't, like I said, I don't follow her very much. There was a rumor going around about that, but that could be true. I don't know. I'm not on OnlyFans, so I have no idea. But anyway, um, supposedly that she's just using the fact that she was in NASCAR as a way to build up being an influencer and use it to her advantage to have that base so she can do well, like on OnlyFans and Twitch and blah, blah, blah. The thing is, though, isn't that what all drivers do? Because if you think about it, all these drivers, right, whether they're in NASCAR, whether they're in Indy, whether they're in GT uh, World, or if they're in IMSA, or if they're um, in F1 or whatever, guess what? Many of them have multiple social media channels, and they also have brand deals, right? Like they have sponsors. And a lot of times if they do other things like podcasts or they do whatever else, they have sponsorships on there, right? Because they make money off of that because they they're sponsored by those people already. So why not, you know, um, use that sponsorship money in different avenues. But that's the thing. She's getting hate for it. But all these drivers do the same exact thing. They do. Every driver out there, they use their sponsors on multiple different, you know, different social media accounts and also multiple income streams. They do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Honestly, it it builds their brand. But why is she getting hate for it? Is it because she's a woman? Like, is it because... Oh, maybe the OnlyFans thing. And I get that. That's very controversial, you know, and I'm not going to talk about OnlyFans. That's not something that 
you know, I want to get into because there's some people that are for it. There's some people that are against it. And honestly, for me, on a personal level, I don't care. Like, I would never do one, but I don't care who does who does what that do, do what you want. You're an adult. Obviously, you got to be an adult to be on there. Do what you want. Like, I'm not, you know, if that if you're comfortable doing that, that's on you. And and I and I congratulate you for it. If you're making money doing whatever you want to do with your life, that's 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 great, right? But I'm not going to hate on a woman if that's what she wants to do. But using her as like this clapback, I guess, to say that she shouldn't be using her NASCAR name for clout. Y'all are wrong for that because how many, how many drivers out there use their name and use NASCAR or use F1 or use IMSA or whatever to be able to get sponsorships through all different type of brand deals. They use that shit because they're in it because they are. Now, the thing is, even, even people that are no longer in NASCAR, if they're former NASCAR driver, they still put former on there, right? But they still put NASCAR there. Once you're in the brand, you can, I mean, they're pretty much using it, right? They'll say, oh, former NASCAR driver or former NASCAR crew chief or former NASCAR pit crew member for whatever, um, you know, for whoever it was. But that's what I'm saying. Many, many people do it. And a lot of the men do it. But like the fact that even if she isn't actually racing anymore, she could put former NASCAR driver. Right. There's nothing wrong with that. She's built a following, even if. Okay, even if y'all want to like critique what her what her stats are, whatever, I don't care. Point is, she was a woman in NASCAR and she's in that hashtag women in NASCAR because that goes for every single woman that was in NASCAR throughout history. Okay. She's still a part of the NASCAR history, whether you like her or not, right? So she can, she has access to the name in some way, shape, or form, whether you like it or you don't. And I think that's the issue is that the fans want to dictate who can use the brand name and who can't. And I, and the thing is, I feel she's getting way more hate because she's a woman because I never see them go after men for this at all. And this brings around that too, because I don't know. And I, you know, like I said, I don't follow Natalie like that. Um, I've seen her on Twitter, things like that, but I don't follow her close enough to know. How do we not know that that woman's not struggling mentally because of the shit that people are saying about her, right? Like, we don't know. But it's the fact that she's constantly being berated with these shitty comments by by people saying that, oh, well, she shouldn't even be able to use the NASCAR name, you know, blah, 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 because she's doing these other things that have nothing to do with racing. It doesn't matter. There's many, there's many, uh, 
drivers or ex-drivers, former drivers that do other things, but people still know them and they still use the name. They still have brand deals because some of those brands still wanted to work with them even after they left. But I think that's where there's a major disconnect with the motorsports community is that they treat the women differently. If you want this industry to be diverse and inclusive, you got to treat the women more like equals. If you're not berating the men about this, why are you doing it to the woman that that's doing the exact same thing that they're doing? Um, and I think that obviously contributes to the issue issue with with women in motorsports having mental health um, issues is because the women are being held to a different standard. It's a double standard, right? The men are doing it, but oh no, if the woman does it, it's a problem. And I think that obviously shit needs to change, y'all. Like shit needs to change because the fact that women are afraid to speak up in this industry about the issues that they are facing is a major red flag. If they are seriously having these problems, I mean, like I said, from that survey, 30% don't feel comfortable. Okay, now, I'll be honest, uh, 30% is, is, is low. It is lower, right? But it's just that over, 30, over 70%, have, you know, mental health issues, right? Like, but you have only 30, see, only 30%, I'm sorry, feel comfortable talking about it. So you've got a whole nother, I mean, you have a whole 70% of women that don't want to talk. And that's a major problem. I mean, 70% of these women refuse to come forward about any of the problems that they're having because they feel they don't feel safe to do it. And see, this also goes into the reason why I created this podcast. These women need to be able to have their voices heard. They're not being heard, obviously, if only 30% feel safe to come forward with any type of issues that they're having. And mental health can be affected by anything, y'all. I mean, it, it could be anything. Like, you could just be having a shitty day. Your dog died. Um, You know, you had a fight with your kid. Um, or, you know, you had a fight with your boyfriend or you had a fight with your husband or you, you know, anything like even, it could just even be that like, you know, maybe you didn't do well that day. Like you performed kind of shit. Right. And, and, and it's, and it's, you know, eating at you. But the, the fact that they don't feel comfortable talking about, Hey, you know, look, I'm really stressed out. Like, I, you know, I need some time, whatever. They don't even feel 
okay to come forward with that stuff because they feel that they're going to get ridiculed for it or they might get penalized in some way for coming forward means there needs to be major reform done within the motorsports industry when it comes to mental health. And I don't know what that looks like. I'll be honest, because obviously all organizations are going to handle it differently. But it does mean that there needs to be something done. Organizations need to start looking into this if they haven't already. And they need to start putting resources out there, creating resources if the resources are not there for these women in in their organizations to get the help that they need if they do need it. And also where if they do get the help that they need, that they are not penalized for getting the help. Because that is another reason why a lot of women do not like to come forward about them having any mental health issues is because they start to get treated differently when they do mention that they need help. They get treated, it's almost like they become infantilized when they say that they need help. And that's not what this is. That's not what they need. They don't need to be treated differently because they came forward and admitted that they needed some type of help, some type of resource. And so I think that could be also another factor of why a lot of women do not come forward. Also, let's be real. It's a societal thing, too. Um, And I actually talked about this with a friend of mine on on Facebook. You know, we talked about this whole thing about like why, you know, women tend to not ask for help and they they tend to not, um, you know, um, get the help that they need. And I, and I mentioned to her, I said that a lot of it has to do with good girl syndrome. And for people that don't know what good girl syndrome is, good girl syndrome has to do with us being treated as if like, we can't really advocate for ourselves and that we just need to do what we're told. And that we don't need to speak up because when you speak up, you become you're, you're considered too much. You're considered aggressive. You're considered loud. Um, and a lot of a lot of people don't like that. Right. And so if the good girl syndrome comes into play because we're expected to just shut up, take orders, not say nothing and just do and just do our jobs, do whatever what is asked of us. And that's it. And no questions no, no getting defensive about anything, nothing. And I said, because of that, that actually hinders women because we're brought up like that, even as children, right? Because normally as children, we're expected to listen to our parents, obey your parents, obey your elders, even if they could be wrong, right? Obey, 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 obey. That's what we're always told. So you become so brainwashed about obeying that when you finally become an adult and you want to actually advocate for yourself, you are told that you can't. Um, And I think that that's why a lot of women have that problem of speaking up because we have always been hindered and told not to. Um, And that's a societal issue because when we're told to not speak up, 
for ourselves and not advocate for ourselves, then it makes it harder for us to get the help that we need. So we tend to internalize a lot of things and we don't ask for help at all. We just we just do everything on our own. And because of that, it can be very taxing on on, on our on our mental health and our physical health because we're doing everything on our own and we're not asking for help. And then it's like, you know, when you do ask for help, sometimes people make it seem like it's such a big deal that you're like, well, you know what? Never mind. Then I'm just going to do it myself. And I'm just not going to ask any anymore, because if it's this big of a deal for me to ask, then it's not worth it. That and I think that you take all of that into play and you've been told that since you were a child, when you become an adult, that's so ingrained in you that you don't know how to speak up for yourself or advocate for yourself. Um, And I think that um, and most of the time women that eventually start speaking up for themselves, the only way that they've actually been able to unlearn that is if they go to therapy, right? If they go to a therapist or, or they, you know, they go down like a spiritual journey and they start doing like shadow work. Um, but to be honest, that's another thing too, depending on how you were raised and also the community you were raised in. And I'm speaking mainly for women of color, um, in, People of color have a very huge stigma around mental health. Um, and I know this growing up, you know, obviously as a woman of color, um, there is a major stigma in our communities when it comes to mental health that we don't need to see therapists. Therapists are not needed. Um, and I think that when you are constantly told that, you you start to believe it, right? You start to believe that um, going to therapy is not going to help you. Um, honestly, when I went to therapy, therapy changed my life. It made me realize that the things that I was going through was not stuff I needed to go through, that that was stuff that I could actually work on and I could unlearn and I could actually start advocating for myself. But a lot of women don't know that they can because they've been told their whole lives that they, that they can't. But when you're finally told this by somebody that's not in your family, somebody that that is not biased, right? That doesn't have a biased opinion. I think that makes a huge difference. And that's what therapy gave me. Therapy gave me a third party that would not judge me and also would not, um, would not, uh, tell other people, uh, what was going on with me if I told them, right? Um, because unfortunately, let's be real. Some of our families don't know how to keep their mouths shut and they, and they gossip about you. If you, if you talk about your mental health or you talk about what, you know, what's going on in your life, like it tends to not stay between you and them. It tends to get passed around to multiple people within the family. Um, and I didn't want that. And so I wanted to have someone that I didn't know that I knew had a confidentiality, you know, agreement with me that they wouldn't share anything. And uh, sometimes people need that, you know, you need that, you need that person to just hear you, right? Not saying that you need advice, but sometimes that's all you need to do is vent. And I think a lot of us, we don't 
we don't know how to vent to vent like in a space where we feel safe. Um, and therapy gave me that safe outlet to vent about things going on in my life. Because let's be real, what do a lot of people do? A lot of people turn to social media at event because, you know, it's like, oh, well, you know, my friends are on here or whatever. But unfortunately, a lot of times people can use that against you. Um, and I've had that happen to me personally firsthand where I vented about something and, you know, somebody, somebody saw it and then, you know, they used that against me. Um, and it sometimes it's not worth it. <laughs> so, um, having those resources for these women where they feel safe and they know that it's going to be private and confidential and it's not going to be used against them in their profession is what matters. And I'll be honest, guys, like I am all for women in motorsports to not have a mental health crisis, right? I mean, I think all of us feel could feel that way, right? I think all of us would agree on that. We don't want there to be a major mental health crisis with women in motorsports, we need more women in motorsports to come forward and share their stories and not feel afraid and not feel that they're going to be demonized for speaking up. And I think that um, some of these um, nonprofits, you know, that that deal with women in motorsports and stuff, I'm sure that they probably have resources out there. Um, but the organizations definitely either need to use those nonprofits for that outreach, uh, or they need to create it within their organizations. However, you know, however that looks for them, because obviously every, every organization is different. Every organization is built different. Um, and so their, their planning might be different. Um, but I feel that they all need, something because this is something that needs to be prioritized um because this i mean this can heavily impact the motorsports industry so um and i hope that i hope that i don't run across any other studies or surveys like this again where where we have this many women literally needing help, crying out for help pretty much, but they're having to do it anonymously and not be able to speak up and say that they need help. Thanks guys for staying for this episode. I really do appreciate it. As I mentioned, um, the, the, the survey that I talked about in this episode was from the Women in Motorsports Commission. I will link. Um, I will link their um, their website below, um, so you can look up any information that you want um, reg regarding either the survey itself or any other resources that they might provide. But as I mentioned, women in motorsports are a major asset to, to the motorsport community. And if they're having this type of mental health issue, this needs to be addressed. And, and I know there are resources out there, but 
it has to come from above, right? It has to come from the heads of the organizations that they are racing with. They need to be willing to step forward and, and give these resources to their drivers, all drivers, not just the, not just the women, even though the women are obviously having some type of mental health potential crisis, but the men too, because let's be honest, a lot of men don't go to therapy and a lot of men don't talk about their feelings. And that is something that needs to be addressed as well. But obviously that is something for another podcast or or another blog or whatever because obviously I'm focusing mainly on women but this this is all around mental health is a crisis for every human being across the planet um and so we all need help when it comes to mental health if we need it and we need to all have resources no matter who it is um and so I'm also going to put links um, below to like the suicide hotline and and other um, and other mental uh, health organizations um, and hotlines. So you know if you guys need any of that information, you have it. Um, all of that will be linked um, in the description. Because obviously, you know, I want everybody to get the help that they need, um, no matter what, whether you're a fan, whether you're a driver, whether you are behind the scenes, like pick, you know, pit crew, crew chief, um, or even if you are a media personality or, I mean, shoot, you could just work at one of those places, like in a corporate job title, right? Um, so no matter what your title is in the motorsports industry, you matter. And I want all of you to be safe and healthy. And, um, and I hope to hear, hear from you guys about this episode. Just, um, you can listen to this obviously on all platforms. You can, uh, rate and sub and subscribe on whatever platform, um, and also, you know, leave a review if you, if you so choose and, um, take care. Um, I love all of you. You all matter. You are all enough. And I will see you guys next week.